Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Angela. This is Books, Books Are, are good. good, Actually. actually. And, and we will someday sync up again. We will someday may have a friggin' introduction music or something. I don't know. It might be just me yelling books, 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 over. Yeah, and that's that's it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, this is a post-Halloween episode recording, um, but pre-election recording. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Next time we'll actually have a post-Thanksgiving, post-Black Friday, but before Christmas recording. Yeah. So, right. Um, let's kind of get into it. So for the month of November, oh my gosh, it's not <laughs> November yet. Times we are, are weird. We are pre-recording next episode before we've read the book. Yeah, we <laughs> we didn't even read the book yet now. Uh, so for this October, it's Lexicon of Terror by... I'm going to fuck up her name because I, uh, as one does with podcasting, you always mess up any names for people. Oh, God. Marguerite Filetowitz? Yes. Filetowitz? Yes. Filetowitz. Close enough and sounds appropriate and not shitty at all. Marge um, Filetowitz. <laughs> anyway, so we read that uh, for October and uh, thank goodness we completed it. We don't have any excuses <laughs> this time. Yep. No. No excuses and all the other good shit. So uh, actually, we would have had a great excuse, and that's another question that I was thinking about earlier today and forgot to mention before in our pre-recording meeting um, is the excuse of Hades, the game, uh, and how it compares to the book. But ignore me. Hades is a good game, and if you're a gamer, <laughs> you should go buy it. Anyway, so let's start off with our general uh, feelings of the book. Uh, I'll go first. Um, so I kind of came into this book with uh, some ideas of how the U.S. handles South American um, uh, governments, which was, I know, just everything went poorly. Um, and... Um, I didn't really know about the Dirty War, so I had to do some research on to what it is and kind of what the aftermath of it was. And what I enjoyed about this book was that there's uh, several sections dedicated to kind of the what the peasants uh, were doing or kind of like what happened in like certain villages, what the uh, Catholic Church was doing, what was the Jewish community doing, what were, you know, these retired generals doing and then kind of the epilogue uh, at the end which uh, she revisited in 2009 um, when a lot of these these trials were going on like actual trials not fake trial that got dismissed later Mm. um it was it's a very harrowing book uh i really there's some pictures in there which i thought really captured kind of the uh the mothers um and some of the different uh, monuments that they've stood up for the uh, Despacitos and um, really poignant, especially the um, Naval Academy and where it was located like compared to the city. Uh, I, I thought that was just very interesting and really kind of tells the story of um, how these people were tortured, not only just like physically, but like psychologically mm-hmm. uh, since they were pretty much in the middle of the fucking city and hearing mm-hmm. people just go on about their day and not know, not knowing that this building houses like a bunch of fucking missing people. Mm-hmm. 
Um, definitely agree with your impression. It was um, normally for uh, a lot of like histories of terrible events that will try to do like a, a, a linear uh, storyline, whereas this does uh, focus on different perspectives of the Dirty War. Um, the Dirty War being the military coup of 1976 after the basically the complete defeat of leftists in Argentina in 75. Um, the Peronists were pushed out uh, by a triumvirate of the Navy, the Army, and the Air Force. And pretty much from that point on, it became a war against subversives in all aspects of life, uh, which is really hard to pin down. Like, what is a subversive? It, it really seemed like uh, whomever they wanted to be. And uh, the the author does a really fantastic job of, of like you said, capturing uh, interviews, not just with people who were uh, tortured or people who were family members who disappeared, but members of the administration and uh, people who were reporting on things at the time and the children of the disappeared who grew up not really knowing whatever happened to their parents um, and does just a really good job of documenting the schizophrenic nature of a of a regime like that and of a environment like that yeah yeah i thought the uh first initial chapter that was talking about the dirty war really set the context of argentina uh argentine excuse me um because for a while i was just like okay um why would people kind of go along with that and then like she sets up like okay so at this point in time um there was economic strife no one's getting food and then um the first general comes through and or gets elected and he does the uh first i forgot his first name but you know the first parentist or parent and he you know got women to vote he got a bunch of like working class people to vote like really drove home a lot of stuff and it sounds great until you know he's just an opportunist um mm -hmm. because um he he really just got women to vote so that he can get more people. That that was his whole thing. It wasn't because he thought that was great that like oh yeah equal rights for women because his um his platform wasn't really. It's still very much a conservative mm -hmm. um, platform, and still he was trying to balance being progressive in some parts, but also keep the Catholic Church, which has still has a lot of power, um as part of the like on his side. And then of course uh later he gets ousted and then he like he goes into hiding and then I think his wife becomes president. Yeah. Was very unpopular. Like For everyone like didn't year. Yeah, no one liked her. And so when the junta happened, everyone's like, "Yeah, that's great." And then the junta's like, "Yeah, so we're now your dads. So you don't get to vote and you don't get to do any like you you no, there's no political parties. That's illegal. Um, no student organizations. No student organizations. Um, yeah. And so everyone was like, uh, okay. And I think 
you know, that you're probably thinking, wow, um, if there's, if that ever happened in my country, and it probably has, but I'm going to use the U.S. as an example real quick, everyone would probably be like, what the fuck? Um, no, that's a very American value, blah, blah, blah. However, money was coming in, like, they were getting flush with fucking cash real Thanks, quick. IMF. Yeah, IMF, Bank of America, Citibank, Chase. Chase, they all came in and pretty much legitimized this government real mm -hmm. quick. So, mm -hmm. and then everyone's like, oh, well, I have money. And now there's a middle class. I can, all this shit from like Paris, all, you know, all these European brands are coming through, all these American brands are coming through. So, um, the and, thing, sorry, go on. Um, the thing with the Argentina is that it had always been like, uh, the the point in South America that um, was considered most European, so it, it was like a real repudiation of what they believed about themselves and other people around the world believed about them to now have all of this wealth coming in again. Because uh, as, as the book mentions, it it through the early 1900s, it always was one of the richest countries in South America, mostly due to its resources, as well as the interests that Europe uh, gave to it because of its resources. Yeah. And also, um, I was watching a video by Bad Empanada, and he was talking about how there were a lot of these upper class Argentinians who were like, oh, we should be like, more like Europe. Um, they were, I wouldn't say they're like jealous, but they're like very, uh, well, I'm about to say envious, which is kind of the same thing, but they're kind of like, oh, infatuated. Yeah, infatuated with like being European and just kind of like, oh, we, you know, we should be closer to London and Paris and have that kind of, I guess, stature. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess a lot of people just went along with stuff because like, oh, okay, now, like, now we're being more like, we're being more cosmopolitan. We're not this like, backwater type of country even mm -hmm. though you know i i don't know i i didn't really read any anything else about how most americans or like other countries thought of south america in general um i know now a lot of people are just like oh it must be such a shithole but it's really not mm -hmm. that type of shit mm -hmm. um yeah. another thing to mention is that uh argentina uh, argentine got a lot of um uh european immigrants mm -hmm. and that include a lot of jewish people so and a lot of nazis and a lot of nazis because perrin was a huge fan of nazis he went over just before world war ii went out and he was like yes fascism is great but he had a weird way of describing fascism which was not fascism but he called it fascism because it was mm -hmm. like it's for the people or a government for the people or something like that and that's like that, that's not it at all but he's like yep this is it so that's what i'm i'm into this it's um, weird um <laughs> what, is, what is the term um palingenetic ultra natural ultra nationalism it, it sort of does fit in that vein of it um okay. but yeah it it is certainly a stretch especially given the i don't know nearly enough about the early years of the Peron government to make any sort of like halfway educated statements on on how the government was run during that time but that it is very odd for to be so obsessed with fascism when you have so many like indigenous groups that clearly are 
the like as far as the nation goes, the the progenitors. Um, so that, that is weird. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as Jimmy mentioned, there was a bunch of Nazis that came over uh, after World War II. Like they were totally got asylum and all the other good shit. They went to government. Like Mengele was there. Yeah, Mengele was there. So it wasn't just like some. The point is, they were totally welcome with Nazis, and they kind of were around and were in some government um, position, most likely. I wonder. I wonder how them being there played into um, how frequently there were coups through that period. Because yeah, yeah. As, a, as the book mentions, there's like six military coups between like 1930 and 1976. It's a lot. Yeah, and like that plays in part uh, to like the schizophrenic uh, nature of mm-hmm. of the uh, country. Because people were like sometimes okay with the coups until they got sick of it, and then they're like, okay, we're gonna just democratize everything, mm-hmm. and then people were like, no, fuck this. So then it is like it's it's really interesting. Um, I would probably want to read a little bit more maybe about that um, mm-hmm. in general. I wonder if uh, Marge has any more books about uh, Argentina, like uh, yeah. just a general history, but. Uh. All right, so I think also what played into uh, some of these juntas are the School of the Americas. Um, Jimmy, do you know what that is? You go there to um, get rectangular pizza, and you have recess and gym class and music class. And you also learn how to make improvised explosives and torture people. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so if you want more about the School of Americas, uh, Behind the Bastards, that's a pretty good breakdown of it. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, pretty much it is, uh, because we were scared of communists and it's spreading. We were like, you should be. (laughs) (laughs) So we started the School of Americas, uh, as the, um, shit. Wasn't it in Panama? Yes. The Panama Canal. And, um. We pretty much invited a bunch of fucking uh, soldiers and other generals and stuff. And we're like, hey, so don't you want to be more like us cool kids with our washing machines and all these cool fucking cars and guns and all this other rad shit? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is how you overthrow your own government when mm-hmm. the time comes. So mm-hmm. essentially, uh, the U.S. just created a bunch of um, sleeper agents for South American um, coups. coups. Yeah. The the purpose, it, it was definitely 100% that, to uh, enable them to have the um, insurgent military education to commit extreme acts of violence and also the desire to... Um, covet large amounts of wealth for themselves so that they could live the lives that they lived while at the school of the americas yeah but in their own country yeah because essentially they went up there saw the good quote-unquote good life and then they came back and like well this is bullshit i want that um also the other purpose of them doing this is so that american business interests can be more favorable in those (laughs) countries Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm Gives you a very strong base to uh, recruit from when you're trying to 
um, make deals for uh, ridiculous amounts of land um, in a country that you know nothing about and really have no bearing to make that request for. Yeah. So um, a lot of pretty much everybody like in South America, uh, most South American countries, excuse me, had someone sent there. Um, I think the one that wasn't was actually Pinochet. He kind yeah, of Pinochet did not go. Yeah. He, but a bunch of other generals uh, yes. who were a part of that coup. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so you have a mix of that schoolage plus Nazis. And boy, howdy, I guess that was eventually going to k- cook a really shitty stew for the mm-hmm. Argentinian people. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving along, what interview left an impression on you? Hmm. There were a lot of really good interviews in this. Um, I would have to say the most gripping would have to be Matilda's interview. Uh, she was one of the mothers, um, and she was also Jewish. So it it sort of hammered home the the point in, from two directions because the Jewish population in Argentina, despite being like two percent of the population, were like ten percent of the disappeared, and they. They really didn't find the support of the Jewish um, administrative organizations and cultural organizations that they should have, uh, mostly because they were afraid. Um, yeah, that one really stuck with me. Yeah, that one um, I thought it was interesting too, um, especially with like the Jewish, because like by then, you know, Israel was a thing, and I guess. To me, having, like, they had a direct, not a direct line, but, like, they are talking with them, and just the fact that they couldn't really get any help is just, like, I mean, part of that was because Israel wasn't really, um, like, didn't have that much power by that time, or it was, like, very... In the 70s, they were decently powerful. Okay, and and the right. book does mention that um, they were, Argentina had very lucrative trade deals with Israel at the time. Okay, so just ignore what the fuck I just said. Um, it, I don't know, it was just very surprising about how I guess they were afraid that if they said something that they essentially would just get disappeared themselves because they probably didn't want to, you know, um, since they have these lucrative trade deals, that would jeopardize it, right? It certainly would have been a thorn in Argentina's side for... Um, major Israeli and Jewish organizations um, to be protesting in this way, and it probably would have led to disappearances of members of that org, for sure. Um, The organization in question that we're talking about is the DAIA. Um, I do not remember what the acronym stands for. Yeah. um, That, like, uh, that interview also with them... uh was pretty sad because uh marguerite is also jewish and she was just like so like you know we like this was just after world war ii and the holocaust and everyone knows like the holocaust happened and you guys aren't doing anything and Mm -hmm. they were like yeah because we literally like are not that big of a community and like we're like there's been a lot of anti-Semitism attacks against us that were unrelated to disappearances. So it's like, what what could we do? Well, 
Um, we'll we'll address that in our last question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the one interview that really stood out for me, and I'm trying to find the name, but when she interviewed the um, ex-general that mm-hmm. pretty much got cashiered, I think I hope I'm pronouncing that right, where they get like if they were very much against the uh, process, the capital P process, um, and were per- like progressive as in they want their officers to be uh, voted in and all this other uh, relative, like how to kind of reintegrate the military into the civilian like uh, lifestyle, not lifestyle, but like life in general. Um, uh, it's a, it starts with a B, but they had two B generals. Anyway, she was interviewing the one who kind of, uh, who got, who was like the next general after uh, folks got elected. The the one who did the um, the really important speech about like yes yeah like Blanco Banco yeah it starts yeah it's like balls something sorry I'm uh, not doing, not doing well for the podcast so far like zero for three um, anyway yeah. what I thought was interesting was that he still stuck with the party line of yeah. oh no we were in a war. Yeah. There were subversives. And she's like, but you said that that we need to address, you know, he very much was like, no, we're gonna address our, like these things, but they're still he still totally believes there was a like there's a war, and you know, yeah. there's war losers and winners, and we won, <laughs> you know, or 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 like you know, we we kind of lost and like oh we we took steps that were a bit too far, mm-hmm. but we were at war and i'm just like holy shit and i i was surprised she managed to press on so much like and and nothing happened to her because like yeah um i think what was really funny uh is what she she received like a um she received two gifts and one of them that stuck out for me is the boot without a toe and everyone was just like i don't know what that means (laughs) i i kind of have an idea of what that means oh okay um, so a boot without a toe, it's, uh, especially in the, the form that it's given, it's like a ceramic boot with a broken toe. Um, that says to me that like, it's, it's something functional and something rigid, but it's come across something that would cause it to crack. Okay. Um, so it seems like a, almost a metaphor for the military in Argentina as a whole. That despite, and especially since, what do you do with a boot? Well, you can march around in it. You can kick subversives with it. But this boot appears to have cracked, at least at the toe, which is where you would be doing kicking. Your boot isn't going to fail for marching at the toe. It's going to fail at the heel. It's going to fail along the bottom. But you break your toe of your boot if you're using it for violence. But it broke. Which would imply that whatever it came up against was strong, strong uh, enough to resist the boot. Interesting. That's my conception of what was trying to be implied with that, which is an interesting thing for him to give her, given that he was also talking very, uh, 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 answering her very aggressively towards the end there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um. 
another interview that I thought was interesting was uh, I'm going to pronounce his name fucking wrong, but um, Skilago or Skilagio. Uh, Skilago. Uh, Skilago. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, so she managed to like interview his wife, and it like started off with her being like, "Oh, you know, no, my husband." Initially, started off with my husband. Like, he definitely changed during this time because he started drinking really heavily and, like, going to confession a lot, which was interesting. Um, I guess we'll get to that part uh, later. And um, the fact that she was just like, well, you know, he's in the Navy or whatever, and then he had these nightmares. And she was just like, okay, like, you know, the Navy's hard, I guess. Like, his assignment seems hard. But he's not a bad man. And then it turns into once he confesses, well, he still wasn't a bad man because we were at war. And then it turns to, okay, uh, my husband has made mistakes, but we were still at war. Mm. Um, he, he may have killed innocent people, but we were still at war. <laughs> mm. And it's just like um, the amount of, lying to themselves that they had to kind of be like okay with this mm -hmm. was just um i mean i guess it's staggering but it's just kind of like when you're in when the amount of propaganda top to bottom was telling you that like these people are going to ruin the way of your life um at this point too later uh <laughs> at this point too the uh they were just kind of an economic freefall so things just weren't looking great. Um, you know, you, you would come up with all these things. And also, like, you know, it's your your husband, right? And, like, mm -hmm. you're trying to defend him. Like, you married this person. So there, there's some amount of trust that, you know, you need to show. So mm -hmm. I thought that was a, a very interesting interview. Um, and she really did not move from like that party line. Like she kind of like she still like wavered a bit, but it still was like, well, there were innocents that shouldn't have gotten killed, which is like, so that's all you're gonna admit? He's like, yeah, well, you know, they shouldn't have. They 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 were a little bit too harsh. Mm -hmm. Some men got you know, some men got um overzealous. It's just yeah. Some men should have stopped at just torturing them with a cattle prod and shouldn't have anally raped them while torturing them with a cattle prod. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was just, like, especially after, like, all of these men came out with, like, what happened, and I thought it was funny, but, like, it's uh, pretty typical, but, like, oh, Hollywood's giving them money, which is, like, why the fuck would <laughs> any U.S. person want to talk about government fucking up when, let's see, in this the is, 70s. Uh, yeah, in the 70s, while we were fucking up and fucking around. Mm-hmm. Fuck no. Early eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just let's just implicate the Reagan administration um in the early nineties. Yeah, let's just do that. That's all yeah. Right. Yeah, pretty much no, like no. Let's make Top Gun too. Let's make more Top Gun. Uh the toppiest gun. The top. Mm -hmm. Um so let's see. Epilogue. Uh I know it seems that we've sped through this book because there are we're we're sort of trying to address things um, in in the manner in which the book addresses things. It seems like, which is not in a linear fashion, um, which is fine. Uh, information can be gathered in any order, um, and it's up to the listener to put it together. 
Um, but nonetheless, epilogue. The theme, did, did it seem to be on the right track to you? Yeah. Um, first of all, they finally have like a human rights like association, like organization that's not just like an office in some like building with like four people. They actually have like a really, I think they said they had like 300 people working for them. Um, a lot of folks are like other, uh, you know, Despacitos are related to them um, and actually are trying to like say, okay, you know, no matter what the government will be or become, we will always have a human rights organization to protect for that, which is, um, I would say very forward thinking considering the history of Argentina, like just being like, okay, look, there might be some fucking dumbass coup, coup tomorrow. At least we can try to be like, no, you can't do certain dumb shit to, you know, the citizens and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that was kind of, in a way, disappointing was the fact that the UN's um, definition of genocide does not cover this. Yeah, um, and it should. It should, but I don't, uh, since this was 2009, I don't know if 10 years later they changed that. They I know with the Khmer Rouge, they said it was an autogenocide since that was against their own people. But um, since there was no um, specific category that was targeted, correct? Yeah. So that was kind of shitty. Um, so essentially, what the epilogue kind of goes through is, um, you know, it's 2009. A lot of these generals and ex-commanders who were not um, prosecuted uh, in '85 because of that due obedience and. There's another law. The final punto? The final yeah, the final point. point. Yeah. So um, by then, a lot of those guys, uh, well, one, they all stole a bunch of, you know, these people's shit and tried to, like, leave. Um, a lot of what I thought was very interesting, too, was um, speaking of just Israel, but, like, other countries, when, like, their citizens got killed, they were, like, Hold up, like, oh no, if you travel, we're gonna get your bitch ass. Like, they were like, very, like, no, we're gonna mm -hmm. put you on trial. Like, if yep. you leave this fuck your fucking country, Interpol we're gonna come out. Has yeah. two jobs. One is to fuck you up if you make a copy of a videotape. Two is to fuck you up if you murder someone in your own country that is a citizen of another country that Interpol is responsible for, and you then try to go on vacation to said country. Yeah. Um, granted, not a lot of these guys try to do that, but it was kind of like this thing hanging over their head. Um, it was also kind of used as evidence of like, of trying to try them. Um, what was also, eventually they just kind of tried them on the whole baby kidnapping and selling of babies. That, oh, that by the way, there was baby kidnapping. Yeah, there was a lot of baby kidnapping. Um, a lot of these, uh, there's a lot of kids that figured out they were um, not in the family that is their birth family. Um, frequently were given to families that were kidnappers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They went to a quote unquote better family type shit. You ever just wake up and find out that your mom and dad aren't your mom and dad and in fact were fascists who tortured your mom and dad? Yeah. That must that's, be a huge fucking mind fuck. That's a bad day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they have a more expansive human rights, like organization, uh, a lot of, they finally are having a trial, 
um, the thing is that they couldn't try for genocide, like genocide, because that wasn't a law, like there was no penal law, like code for that. So that was kind mm -hmm. of a weird thing that they had to do. They finally fired like people from <laughs> that were in the organization, because the thing was, is that there was a lot of command um, captains and other people who got promoted instead post of this yeah, government post, post the juntas. Yeah, post the so like these people were still around and were still in power or like in some power and in, in some capacity. So um once they uh not after President Minim or the person after President Minim or a couple, they finally were like, Okay, we're gonna actually recognize Kirshner? Yes. Kirshner? Yeah. Kirshner? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Fuck Minim. <laughs> Minim was the worst. He was very much like, let's just sweep this under the rug. Let's just not talk about it. He gets angry if you talk about it. You know, he's just like, well, if you keep talking about it, then everyone's going to keep being mad and upset. Some of the people who committed atrocities are my friends. And I like to play tennis with my friends. You don't want me to have to miss out on tennis with my friends because I have to go to some, you know, tribunal or something, right? Yeah. So there is all that. Um, and another interesting part of the trial was all of these wives of these men. And they're all uh, described as they're in their cocktail dresses. They're all like have a blonde bob. They're very, you know, very upper middle class looking. And they all were just and, and some of their kids were there and they were just all like um, cheering at their husbands and just like sleeping or just gossiping among themselves like it was a no they were parents. yeah they were a, a, a fucking gallery of, yeah so you know she um the author was, like karens that are spitting on people who were tortured by their husbands yeah uh, pretty much to torture by their husbands correct uh they pretty much were just like well you know he how could he i've been married with him for like 50 years he would never never torture someone so um it was uh it was very interesting um she also talked to the um father of one of the men on the trial and he also told the correct line or the not correct line but the party line of oh well you know it's a war getting to you yeah i know right um the we're getting you know we're they were at war you know and you know, they shouldn't have done that bad of torture, but like, you know, we had to protect our uh, country. So, from that, from, from non Western Christian values. But Marx was Western? <laughs> different Western. Mmm. The different one. Mmm. Yeah, no, it, it never holds up. It's as, as this book points out so well um and it, it seems to point out that it, it in a way that it, it it's trying to make the case that it is somewhat unique to argentina but i i would disagree and i would say that it is unique to fascist ideology is that it it is schizophrenic um and it, it is unable to square the circle um and so it forces it uh in spite of itself and the the ability to clearly rationalize is uh, against their interests completely 
and because of that, it, it allows for uh, brutality for the sake of rationality, which is absolutely frightening. Yeah. So in general, I think they're going the right direction. Um, however, there's probably still people who are, you know, still alive who are uh, probably should be in jail, but aren't. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can only just the fact that they recognize it and not going to shut up, like not try to be shut down anymore is good. So far as we're aware, this only goes up to 2009. Correct. Uh, and we did not research further. Um, hmm. So given all this, how would one heal from state violence, especially if everybody knows? I guess. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. Like it, it, it seems like they're, they're certainly trying, but like, I, I, this, this goes to my, the, the question that I, I brought up last on our list. Not, not, yeah, sort of. I, I don't know. Like it, it could just become a cycle of violence of like purging fascists who, who in turn will, will claim like, we have been oppressed and we, we in turn must purge leftists. Like part of the problem is that it's an idea. Um, and ideas are really hard to kill, uh, especially poisonous ones that, that seek to attempt to redress injured pride, uh, and feelings of inadequacy. Yeah. I also wouldn't know what to do. I guess the main thing is that. Um, this gets addressed a lot in this book is just memory. You know, you need to make sure that everyone remembers that. Well, the thing is, is that everyone has a different part of their memory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a bunch of folks who are just like, well, this was a war. We were at war. And other people are like, no, we were oppressed. We were oppressed by this government. And how do you try to resolve that type of um, difference, right? Uh, you know, that's pretty much just trying to unbrainwash, you know, un- deprogram a bunch of people. Who don't want to be. Who, right. Who benefit from not being. Um, it's, yeah. I, I guess as far as the nonviolent avenues go, they're probably going about it the best way they can, uh, at least as far as this book goes, which is um, forcing the issue through the courts over and over again to... Uh, extract further and further truth as much as they can to confirm what they know from those who were tortured and those who saw those who were disappeared completely, who were transferred, um, which uh, something we didn't cover in in, in a clarifying manner is the the way in which language was used to uh, torture people. Uh, But one of the, the biggest things was transferring beyond being one of the disappeared. Uh, to be transferred was to be killed, and it could be in, in a number of ways, but it, it was a way of disappearing those who had already disappeared. Uh, and so you couldn't really know for certain that they were dead, but it, it was a guarantee that they were dead. Yeah, but and not. the government also didn't um, say that they were dead. They were trying to say, well, they were missing or they just ran away, which and also, they refused to say. Yeah, they refused to say, which, you know, played into the, you know, uh, Argentine laws about, you know, if you don't claim someone's dead, 
then you don't get their property, you know, you don't get their property and stuff mm -hmm. like that and other mm -hmm. legal issues. And a lot of people didn't like, they wanted the government to say that they're dead, not mm -hmm. them claim it because mm -hmm. otherwise like that's kind of a, a letting go right of yeah. of responsibility mm -hmm. for the government mm -hmm. yep it's it's torture all the way down the line it's yeah. torture for the people who disappeared it's torture for the people who were transferred and then those who were not transferred but saw those who were it's for people who 20 30 years down the line don't know because you refuse to tell them it's um also, um, all those documents got burned. The reason why we have a, 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 a number is because there was some Chilean or some other, um, you know, spy, not spy group. Well, yeah, spy group was kind of hanging out there and they were just like nosing around. And they had, there was some correspondence about, yeah, there was like 20,000 dead based on this document or whatever. And I think mm -hmm. that was like 1978 or something. I don't recall the year, but. Which is two years into the junta yeah and it, they still have five more to go so yeah um probably fifty thousand. i wouldn't be surprised yeah so mm -hmm. um there was apparently two movies that came out after the the um junta and one of which is top gun yeah uh yeah. top gun talks about uh you know um one is called like the final story and essentially, it's this woman who her husband works with a bunch of the, the the government. And like, she's kind of like, she's middle class. So she's just everything's great, blah, blah, blah. And then her friend comes back in from out of town, quote unquote. Um, it turns out that her friend actually got like sucked up and was tortured. And it took her, her friend explaining what happened to for her to understand. Um, so, but the thing is, a movie try to, in a way, absolve the like middle class or people who weren't really connected of like kind of responsibility in a way. Like they, of course, they didn't know, but it's like, um, knew, but you didn't know. Yeah. Um, and then there's another movie that I unfortunately forgot. Uh, came out shortly after. Um, it follows Schrodinger's List. No. It's not Schrodinger's list. It's Schindler's list. Oh my goodness! Schrodinger's list. Are they dead? Aren't they? I don't know. Oh, that is the government of our. Uh, yeah, that's what they were. Jesus. Oh man, <laughs> we need to make a film about this movie. It's a dramatization. We're going to call it Schrodinger's list, but it's going to be the Spanish translation of Schrodinger's list, and uh, it's going to start Tom Cruise, and it's going to be a shot-for-shot -shot remake of. Oh, beautiful um anyway there was another movie that came out uh it follows this woman who was tortured and like her daughter and some stuff happens but they go to a site uh the concentration camp um and there's a part at the end where the daughter asks so did everyone know and like it did kind of one of those third person breakage of like everybody knew so you can see kind of how, like with these two movies, how some people, how some, I guess, felt about that time was, oh, I didn't know, or everybody knew. And you have mm -hmm. to kind of go with, oh, no, everyone fucking knew because it was all in the newspapers. Mm -hmm. Like they talked about, I thought some language that they use in the newspaper, like 
they got into a you know a shootout with the police and they were destroyed mm -hmm. um instead of just straight up killed I, th I thought that was like really interesting um yeah so it it does go to a question of like uh, who are you listening to because like if all the news that you're taking in is the the state propaganda of like you got into a shootout with um terrorists and however many were dead then you're not really going to like question that so much and it, it may be the case that you like run into one or two people or even a dozen people during your normal day-to-day -day who um may have people in their lives who have disappeared but it's not like they're talking to everyone at every moment of their day saying my son or daughter's disappeared uh grocer green grocer my son or daughter disappeared uh newspaper salesman my son or daughter's disappeared um so i i can see how it's possible to exist in a media ecosystem especially at the time where there's no internet um you you have television you have radio and and newspapers but de depending on who you trust and who you're listening to, you may be reading a list of the dead every every week or every day. But you there may... wasn't a list of the dead. That was there, the thing. Well, there, there, there was for not dead, but like disappeared um, for the Herald, and uh, which is the news org that Timmerman was writing from. But it was like the one yeah newspaper that was putting that out and everybody else was putting out basically state propaganda yeah um they also got the people some of the despacitos actually write like news articles and stuff like that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and publish that out uh another time is they got uh, they kidnapped someone and then like their mother raised a huge stink so they just write no 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 she was she's in um this small town and like got her to like they took her up to the town and have this interview with them like mm -hmm. with this newspaper and then published it and like yeah it's totally fine like she just took a vacation i don't know see what the problem is she didn't tell you she was taking this vacation but she's here she's yeah, going she's to tell here. you through a newspaper yeah it it's um, like not someone... not a, even a newspaper that was a magazine yeah that it was, was a, 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 like a women's, women's mag magazine yeah it's basically like home living yeah, but, it's just like, yeah, so you want to hear about, like, how your daughter's okay through fucking home and, like, country or some shit? Like, that, the the amount of, like, balls these fuckers had to just be like, yeah, she's fine, read about it in the next fucking <laughs> weekly magazine, it's okay. Or just staying at people's houses and just be like, yep, we're here now, we're just drinking and fucking off the entire time, and then threaten to shoot their, uh um not superiors but other people you know their their charges you know, they really missed out on being able to blame all of the disappearances on people getting addicted to heroin or crack cocaine if this yeah. was 10 years later they could have blamed it all on that and just have them like uh, like drug them and have them show up in places and then disappear them again yeah Oof. yeah Okay, so moving on. What institutions were you surprised uh, that failed? I avoided this question weird, but whatever. No, it's a good question. It, it, it gets to the point that so many institutions did fail. Um, so w one thing that is, is made clear, even though it is not like uh, 
poked at over and over again is that uh, the police in Argentina were, and this goes for police everywhere, um, they, are, they are in the hands of, of power. They are in the pocket of power. They always have been. They always will be. Fuck the police. Um, but especially in Argentina, um, as far as organizations go, the for something that is supposed to like instill law and order, they allowed an insane amount of lawlessness, especially the amount of torture that went on in police precincts, given that torture was illegal uh, at the time of the creation of this most recent, no, on the most recent junta. I don't know what's happened since 2009, but at least since that junta up to 2009, there were no other juntas. Um, so, yeah, torture was illegal, uh, but it happened in these police precincts. And it, it, in fact, the book talks about how the police, at basically at the inception of the cattle prod, began using cattle prods to torture people. So, I I know they're bastards, but like. They're really bastardly here, and yeah. are are a a big part of why the junta is able to get away with everything that they do. Um, that them and the DAIA, uh, the DAIA being the um, Jewish Cultural Organization, just absolutely cowardly, um, completely inept, completely unable to do anything in the face of what essentially is a a pogrom in, in some senses like two percent of the population is jewish but ten percent of the disappeared are jewish like it's uh inexcusable yeah and i think they also had um like u.s senators oh you know what actually just threw out like they even hosted the fucking world cup and mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. kind of were just like uh wow these journalists are asking all these hard questions please get the fuck out of here like mm -hmm. you need to leave and the fact that the u.s just didn't do their dumb bullshit of like sanctions or anything jimmy carter was trying yeah yeah, but yeah, then yeah. reagan yeah that hmm hmm of course yeah i mean 70 also, 76 to 83 yeah this was also during the time when senators actually go down to certain places um before before jonestown became like huh maybe we shouldn't send senators to um really yeah. hot heated places but nah, whatever. Nah, whatever they're just people replacing um anything else to the institutions i pretty much expected everything um in the epilogue there was like a department of interior people who were being interviewed who were very defensive about what had happened, and this is like decades later. It's like you can admit that a prior government that is not your government were awful and committed what essentially is genocide. That that's fine. That actually might be good, but they didn't, and were combative instead. Yeah. Um. So I guess it's like one of those. It shouldn't be surprising, but surprising. I'm going to say the Catholic Church. Oh, um, yeah. the I fact would... that yeah the fact that they one uh were on board of course they were very much like a bunch of officers and other military folks came to them and confessed 
Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, it's okay because you're doing the Lord's work, essentially. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some bishops, I think, even participated in some of the torture. Mm-hmm. And they knew. And then they kind of were like, well, you know, I think some of them did. And we we took some actions within the church so that they were punished. And that was it. They yeah. essentially wiped their hands of it. Not only that, but the um, the Pope's uh, basically uh, official, the, the their point of presence for South America, uh, actively worked against the mothers of the disappeared. Yes. And prevented them from meeting with Pope John Paul II. May I spit on his name forever and ever. Um, uh, they, and I'm not, and the, I need to point out though, not the Catholic institution was bad. There were several other bishops and other folks who were in the um, more rural areas that tried to help and try to help organize the peasants and stuff like that to like, like get help and like combat this. For like, all this book does to go into language and how it is used against the people by fascists, it really could have used a section explaining what liberation theology is and uh, how it had developed in Latin America, South and Central America. Um, it's really interesting the the little amount of coverage that liberation theology gets uh, and it's very telling for how powerful it could be, um, but how it has been uh, directly attacked or sidelined. So I yeah. wish we had gone into it. Yeah, um, there were like, and also these these guys were also like maligned and like pushed aside. Um, some of them were even like ran out of the fucking country, uh, like going to Mexico and stuff like that because they knew they were about to get like swooped up and. You know, it. it's just like, it's, um, I think also the Argentine government pays for most of the Catholic Church or they help fund it. So, and mm-hmm. I think that's still even true to this day. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's very hard to, un- it, that's just going to be a thing that's going to be very hard to uncouple. Um, and I don't, and the thing is, um, I don't recall in the epilogue if the Catholic Church actually said, oh, we fucked up. No fucking way. There's n- maybe maybe this most recent pope maybe but otherwise no fucking way yeah so um yeah that's the like yeah. i john paul ii definitely didn't do it because it would have been brought up as of 2009 because he yeah. died around yeah um, um I Hitler pope meant... <laughs> definitely didn't yeah uh i kind of was meant more like the the argentine like catholic institution not really like pope mm-hmm. itself um yeah, I don't know. Uh, it it was not mentioned, and I don't recall it. I because <laughs> I, yeah. So, um, everything else kind of failing was not surprising. Just like the police and the military, I was like, okay, well, like once, once you kind of the once the military was going to go a certain way, the the police is also going to go a certain way. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating that like you're you're supposed, and I know, I know, all police are awful. All police are bastards. But at the same time, these laws are on the books and yet torture in your precinct. Yeah. <sighs> All right, moving on. Uh, what language stood out to us? Um, one that definitely did was uh, the process. Everyone mm. mentioned it. It was a big 
cornerstone, I guess, of the or not the cornerstone of the junta, the the process of um, removing subversive uh, materials and you know life out of Argentina because it was the thing to that was ruining, you know, there was this cancer in the country. Um, the interesting part is like this was a capital P process, so it was that serious. And mm-hmm. another one, um, I really enjoyed one thing I liked about in the uh, very beginning, I think after chapter one, was the lexicon mm-hmm. part. Um, so one is to like uh, the uh, barbecue. Oh, shoot, I forgot yeah. what it's Yeah, I, that. I have it up, Asada. Asada, yeah. And like, um, like, yeah, that's part of the Argentinian like barbecue stuff. And I'm like, fuck, that must suck. Like, it's something that's a food that's a communal thing, and then to be associated with people Torture. being tortured. Yeah. yeah. And the book mentions that on basically in a busy street corner, you're going to hear cries of asado coming from every corner of the street um, because people are, are trying to sell their barbecue. But if you've been in one of these torture camps, just the idea of asado is is going to bring nightmares to you. And this is one way in which the, the regime not just tortured people in the moment, but continued to torture people for the rest of their lives. Uh, one that really stood out to me, um, other than transfer, because um, it's to, to, to transfer, to move, is like something that you, you're going to talk about a lot during your life. And if every time you you go from one place to another for, for work or for, for school or what have you, if you've gone through this, like you're going to be searching for weird ass verbs instead of trying to say, oh, I transferred here because that's going to make you think about everyone who didn't make it out. Um, but the one that stood out to me from the list was Capucha. Uh, mm, yeah. Because of the... Um, the definition of the, the mother who is trying to uh, tell her kids since it was raining that they needed to put up the, the hoods of their jackets. But um, in in the camps, uh, a capucha was a, a blindfold that they would put the uh, would force the prisoners to wear so that they were uh, sort of kept in a state of, of darkness and confusion when they weren't being tortured. Um, and because of the association with that, she she used like an anachronistic caperotes, uh, um, which her kids didn't understand at all. And so she's stuck in this position of trying to find a verb that her children will understand in the context of what she wants them to do and also avoid thinking about or evoking the torture of, of sightlessness, of, of being estranged from one of her senses that she went through. All right, uh, moving on. Um, so we, uh, pretty much we need to compare and contrast on other dictatorships and other genocides that we know of, which is going to be a hilarious time of us recalling something from history. I remember that one time I was part of that one genocide. Good yeah. times. Good times. Oof. Um... This one's weird. Um, it's it's clearly anti-leftist, um, but uh, uh, other than the fact that like Jews are picked out in question, uh, c- 
clearly they are by percentage of population. And no, like one, like religious organization or race or creed really stands out. Yep. It's really, really just whoever they thought was of subversive, whether they were or they weren't, and also whether they could make a profit off of it, which yeah. sort of paints um, a bleak picture for some modern day movements. Um, and the, the one thing I will say is that they, as far as comparisons go, they did a really good job of using language to obfuscate and to horror, uh, to, to, to horrorize, to, to bring terror, terrorize um, the population in general. And, and they did, I'd say, as good of a job as the Nazis did. Yeah. Which is not surprising since they had, you know... Nazis. Nazis. Yeah. But then, like, I don't know, the the Syrians had Nazis, and they tortured really good. Not Syrians. Um, no, Syrians, yeah, yeah. Assad is president of Syria. Um, the Syrians had Nazis, and they tortured really amazingly. But they, they never got the, like, the language aspect down. So I, I guess it really depends on which Nazis you got. Yeah, I guess so. Um, we got the scientist Nazis. <laughs> so we went to the moon. Yeah. Um, why? I'm trying to like think of what to compare because this was a, this was a junta that didn't have other outside intervention to just like get rid of it, right? They fucked up in the Balkans, which I forgot about, and I laughed. Um, and Falcon? that was kind of the Balkans. Falkland? like Falklands, thank you. Thank I you. mixed yeah. up both. Fuck. Falklands, zero for five. Argentina invades the Balkans. I mean, you know. Bo Bosnia-Herzegovina couldn't go so wrong. Uh, anyway, the Falklands, and then they just got own-zoned. And then people are just like, oh, you guys really suck at, like, a lot of things. And, like, mm. the economy is going to shit. So then they're like, okay, I guess you guys can vote now. And then that was, that was like, like kind of, it, it was, it was kind of weird. But I guess that's part of this, the, how Argentina works. It's just like. You just go through, like, periods of, like, suicidal bloodletting. Yeah. And then. And then you come to your senses and you go, you like eat vegetables and like lean meat for a while and you go to the gym and then you're like, I'm looking pretty good, but these wrists are looking really good. Yeah. It's like, how do I self-sabotage myself? Let me just get blackout drunk for like seven years and then <laughs> I'll come to, I'm like, oh fuck, I, that's a horrible idea. I did not do anything wrong while I was drunk. In fact... <laughs> Let's just move on from the time when I was drunk for seven years. Yeah. Um, dude, I, I don't know. I, that's, this is a tough question that I totally didn't think about beforehand. And mm -hmm. I don't really have any, like, I would say this is a very unique case because there was no really, there was no opposition party or opposition. Mm -hmm. Like the people were technically the opposition. They were the enemy if they mm -hmm. so decided and then they were like well we tried 
and we just failed fantastically. So we're out of here, you know. And it's just like, and what if the I failed fuck? Fantastically, you mean uh, we succeeded, and as such, we are no longer needed. Goodbye. Yeah, but we're it's, keeping our jobs. Yeah, it's just like we got rich, and bye. Like, and we just gonna say nothing because our culture, uh, like the the military culture, is just to never say we did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? I would say it was it it it's very it's similar to the Nazi regime and and the language that is used and in the torture, um, and in the hatred of leftists. Um, but it also reminds me of McCarthyism because the the aspersions of of leftism or like subversion were frequently not due to actually being leftists or being like that serious of leftists, uh, but just from a like a point of like what could be gained from doing it or like what what value that individual had in destroying that. Um, so it reminded me uh, a bit of McCarthyism. In that, okay, mm-hmm. makes to me. All right, moving on to what things are similar between the U.S. and Argentina uh, in the 1970s and 80s. I guess we're talking about the current U.S. Or yeah, yeah. Um, I would say the propaganda is very yeah. similar. Um, it's very pervasive. It's everywhere. Uh, the only thing that's different is that we're not technically scooping up journalists yet, but yet, yet but... we're we're beating them on the streets and spraying them with pepper spray. Yeah, some have gotten picked up and then released, but that doesn't mean you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a very big thing. Uh, language is a very big thing here. We have a really dumb culture war shit that's been ongoing for years now. That. Unfortunately, other countries have taken up in that culture war. They use like the same language, um, mm-hmm. you know, SJW, um, uh, triggered postmodern like, neo Marxist, postmodern neo Marxist, which is just uh, another form of cultural Bolshevism, which is a thing since Nazi the nineteen hundred. Yeah, so uh, there's that. Um, we are we are definitely disappearing people. They're not necessarily members of our, they're not citizens, but they're people who are coming to this country to uh, escape persecution and escape um, threats of violence. Uh, And rather than take them in and treat them humanely, we are separating them from their children and we are making those children disappear. Uh, so that is that is definitely something that echoes because a big part of the the disappeared the disparacidos um, is that uh, if you had a child while in their care or if they took a child they would disappear them to some other family and that is I mean we don't know where something like five hundred kids are yeah. Um, so yeah, the language is very familiar. Um, the uh, schizophrenic way of relating to reality is very familiar. And we are disappearing undesirables right now. But 
uh, it has not yet uh, come to bear on our population, though our police have a history of disappearing and torturing people uh, across the U.S. in what are known as black sites, but that is not necessarily tied to uh, one particular administration, but just something that has gone on for the uh, long period of the history of the police. Yeah, if you want to read up on that, uh, there's one that occurred recently, uh, Bush in Chicago, I believe. Mm -hmm. That entire saga, um, you can f easily find news articles on that. Mm -hmm. uh, anything else for this? Uh, um, I think we hit on the main parts of this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the weak liberal institutions like the DAIA to actually do anything to stop it. That's familiar. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like the DIA, uh, wow, I just rambled that. I just don't think they're that powerful enough to do anything yeah. unlike the DNC. Like, they, you know. they could be martyr-like, potentially. They could bring to bear the scrutiny of, of Israel and, as a result, the United States in a greater way. Um, it would have potentially resulted in the deaths of some of their members. Yes, but already 10% of the Jewish population of Argentina is disappearing. What's another four or five people if it's going to bring scrutiny and true like international pressure to bear if you do it? Yeah. Um, oh, right. Another thing that reminded me was that uh, the U.S. doesn't do this because we have no... Uh, um, so uh, there was a part where someone sent, like, the New York Times was reporting on this, uh, like, on the dis disappearances, and, um, I don't recall, I think there was a, essentially a, like, tourist guide type, like, puff piece that they gave to the New York Times of, like, oh, you know, we're dealing with some, like, in, you know, domestic stuff, but, like, you should come to our beaches and like all this other shit where they're trying to like say, no, everything's fine here. Stop looking into us. Um, we don't There's do no that. war in yeah. boxing sense. Yeah, we, uh, as the US, we just don't do that. We're just kind of like, uh, I guess you can just see our sh shit show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess the internet helps kind yeah. of seeing what if, um, you know, if your country allows you to have internet. Because Belarus is definitely not, I think, right now, still. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, well, speaking of Belarus, I guess that would be something that's kind of similar. They mm -hmm. have a guy who's been there for 30 years and things have been okay, but that doesn't mean he doesn't beat the fuck out of people and torture them. Mm -hmm. And then has sham elections, but... They didn't have, you know, they were just, they just straight up banned elections, made them illegal. So it's just like, okay. Wait, when did that happen? I missed that. What, Belarus? The banning elections entirely? I thought they recently had an election. Oh, no, they did. Sorry. I was just saying Argentina. The contrast is, is that Argentina, um, just, hmm. Argentina just didn't have elections. Um, and Belarus just have sham ones. If only you could elect the military. <laughs> Okay. Uh, that uh, kind of goes back to our book from last month uh, and yes. the um, 
concessions that the ranks of the military wanted to extract as a part of their support for the Soviets. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what things are similar between Argentina and 1917 uh, Russia? Uh, <laughs> wow, no, you, threw, no. you threw a thing the into curveball. Curveball. God damn. No. Um, so let's go on to the hardest question. What do we do regarding people that are so intent on promoting, disseminating, and supporting fascism? How do we deal with them in our society in maximally just ways? Um, so, uh, this, see, this is, is this where we get redacted. <laughs> um, well, one thing is tough is that the way that information disseminated, you know, um, is very, you can't like controlling information is a very tricky business, right? Mm -hmm. So either you need to uh, allow that or have some control valve, but like, I don't, you don't want like some governing body telling you what information you should like look at. And then, you know, how do you get around like people just learning shit and being like, yes, this is, this is how we should do it. We should have a big dad to do everything for us. And, and dad's going to punish all the bad kids. Yeah. And so I think one thing is, is that um, I guess part of it is going to be impossible, but whatever. This is the impossible question. It's mm -hmm. like, you kind of need to have better schooling. You need to mm -hmm. kind of actually, like, you need to for real tell the truth, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because most of us have just been lied to most of our lives. Mm -hmm. so there's that. Um, you kind of need to have some humble pie about your country of origin. Mm -hmm. All countries suck and all countries are good for the most part. So you need to kind of understand that for the most likely part, we were, you were a baddie. We were the baddies. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. kind of need to understand that. Uh, I guess what I'm calling for is this radical amount of compassion and empathy for other people mm -hmm. than yourself. Mm -hmm. But how do you teach people to give a shit about other people? I mean, that's mm -hmm. difficult based on my mm -hmm. our relationship posts. Very difficult. <laughs> so, you know, um, however, the Soviets in 1917 would just say, well, you just kill them all. Mm. <laughs> that mm. is the way to do it. It's not really just, but it mm. is a way. Is. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you listen to the podcast Seriously Wrong. No. Um, would, would recommend would recommend for our listeners they have a much larger listener base than us so if you hear that uh, i'm shouting you out seriously wrong um cool you don't need to send listeners our way we don't do this for profit i mean you guys don't do this for profit but we really don't do that this is just uh, but uh they had an episode a while back where they described um it's 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 sort of a fantasy in the sense that like the enforcement of this would obviously require violence because the amount uh, that people would resist it would be significant enough that to enforce it would require violence. But the idea is basically um, a, a non-violent re-education camp with no death um, where you, you just have access to food and shelter and uh, 
educational systems where you can relearn the 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 history and the political science that you have been taught incorrectly uh, and properly learn empathy uh, without having to do so in society itself so that you aren't being a harm to society as you are relearning how to not being a harm to society but it's it is a fantasy it because to create that system there there would be probably so much fun Um, oh yeah and then resistance within it would be horrifically violent because the the people who would be primed for going to some that sort of thing would be the sort of people who would respond violently to being told yeah you can you can have as many meals as you like we're not going to hurt you unless you try and leave and even then it's just going to be to resist like restrain you uh and keep you here but you do have to read marks you you do have to read phenom you you do have to read vortiga like you're here to learn how to not be so fashy and the fashies are going to finally resist it so uh i don't know uh, I don't know how we um, rein this in, um, especially since so much of what is discussed in the book here is focused on um, the 70s through the early thousands. Uh, the internet as as a as a function and news media as a function was either didn't exist in, in the case of the internet or was slower in the case of news media. Uh, whereas nowadays, the the torrent of information and the torrent of events that are occurring are so frequent that they I feel like there's no way to really get a national like reconciling with events or like any way to force people to like face events in, in a way that is healthy and gets them to to stop trying to square the circle and recognize that it is a circle. Um, the shout out to um, Seriously Wrong earlier was because they did have a skit about um, the anarchist uh, utopia re-education camp. Um, so sorry if that didn't make sense, uh, but uh there you go there you go pretty much everyone has to go through a deprogram exercise and uh that can get funky and you know then it's like the question of who gets to decide what gets deprogrammed and how far and, and how what is far, far enough yeah and you know like we can't even agree on the u.s like reparations mm-hmm. like that's like we can't even do that which is um a lot of other countries are, have already done that <laughs> You know, to some extent, mm-hmm. I mean, granted, it's probably not far enough for some people, but like yeah. they still did it. Like we yeah. can't even do that, and that was like two, uh, nearly two hundred years ago. Yeah. So, really, I, I would argue that it was sixty years ago. Like, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, <laughs> like free, but not free people, but not people. Yeah. So, I mean. I don't know. It's like how I guess the first thing is like let's meet everyone's needs. Like let's make sure mm. everyone has, you know, housing, healthcare, and food. And acid. 
in acid and then will that make people wait hold up acid makes people more fashy this is what i've really yeah apparently a lot of people what? are just acid and striking fashy yeah it's a, i don't know how I, mean, I don't know i don't know oh they they were not candy flipping clearly it's not um <laughs> they were doing acid and staring at pictures of german shepherds clearly of course um so you know like can we meet those like do that bare fucking minimum will that help no we can't unfortunately that yeah, can't do the bare minimum um so i don't know it's it's like contending with just our americanness and like what does that mean and like deconstructing that and like deconstructing what it means to be a nation you know like there's just a lot of a lot of onion layers we're gonna we're gonna unpack them all over the next uh i'm committing to at least 30 more years of this podcast how do you feel i think that's a reasonable <laughs> amount okay 10 years to get to like 100 episodes so we'll see how <laughs> see how this goes oh that is going to be an exciting 100 episode episode uh okay anything else <laughs> about this book uh it's good read it um digest it um uh give the author money don't give the author money because art and knowledge should be free but give them money because art like and knowledge like this is hard to put together um plus i feel bad because i don't feel bad but i didn't give them any money uh but it's good to talk about something like this um, yeah um so. i gave her money so don't worry good we half gave her money half gave her money uh right um so uh i just want to do a shout out this is the most important month of all months for a lot of people it's national writing novel month or novel writing month so if you've gotten started good job if you're thinking about it you should maybe do it it's pretty fun to write stuff that no one else has to read ever think mm -hmm. about it no it'll, one has to read it it'll help you get over the hump of being afraid that your writing is not good enough because yeah. if you are if you just feel like you have to write then you and you write eventually you'll get to the point where you're comfortable with writing yeah and um, writing might be a catharsis depending on how some other event's going to happen uh explosives might be a catharsis too if you like fireworks uh july is your month yeah, if you have leftover fireworks from July and we're not part of the people who are going th uh, doing fireworks for a month fucking straight. That was the police. I will uh, live and die by that conspiracy. That was the fucking cops getting like trying to like fuck with people's sleep so that they wouldn't want to protest or support protesters. Interesting. Yeah. Conspiracy. Yeah. I will read that book that you will write for this month. <laughs> I ain't writing shit this month. Okay. I'm reading a book this month. Good. And that book is our next three are going to be Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. I don't remember all these authors, so excuse me, but I'll put them in the show notes. It was uh, written by Pixels, clearly. Clearly. Uh, Caliban and the Witch. Written by the Witch. By the Witch. And The Cathedral and the Bazaar. Spoilers. Written by the Cathedral. Whoa. I know switched it up there um so these are uh one's more of a historical book the caliban the witch i believe is a little bit more of a i guess blood and sweat and pixels are a bit of a historical 
think. But uh, I would say all three are histories. Yeah, um, that's true. Um, but they're different histories that don't deal with revolutions a bit. Um, Taliban and the witches, I would argue, revolutionary. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would argue probably. Now, keep in mind, I haven't read any of these books yet, but I would also argue that the cathedral and the bazaar is somewhat revolutionary in its aims. True. So, but we're finally getting away from Russian books. Uh, so you're or fascism. what? Or fascism. Or fascism. For now, wait until next fucking year, you guys. Or three days from now. Or three days from now. Um. So with that, any final words to me? I I have four. You have four. Okay. Yep. All right. Remember, books, books are, are good. good. Actually. Actually.